if you believe it, you can achieve it. And while I think there is a degree of truth and good to statements like this, you have to ask yourself, can you really? Like, is this really true that you can literally do anything, become anybody that you want to? Um, I had a debate about five years ago with all of my close friends, and I don't know why I thought about this, but I asked my friends, and I was point-blank serious. I was like, hey, do you guys think if I dropped everything right now and I just trained to become a phenomenal basketball player, that I can make it to the NBA? And I asked that firmly believing that I could. And all of my friends looked at me and said, Mickey, hell no. You cannot. You can try. I mean, and I I thought for real. And so I went to my wife and I was like, okay, surely my wife who believes in me, who is my partner, who is my greatest support, surely she will affirm my dream that if I really wanted to, I could join the NBA. And I looked at her and I said, Krista, do you think that if I really dropped everything and my whole life's focus was to get it, make it to the NBA, do you think I could make it? And she straight up looked at me and said, no. (laughs) And my heart was dashed, but I realized there are some things that we just cannot do. It's a myth that you can be anything that you want to be. The truth is there are some things, no matter how hard you try, that you just can't do. The proof in point, have you ever met someone that's completely tone deaf? I don't know if you know anyone that's completely tone deaf, but I knew someone in high school, and his dream was to become an R&B singer. And I swear, I, I wanted to tell him no amount of auto-tune can save your singing voice. And he could try for his entire life to become a phenomenal singer. He might become okay at best, but there are just some things we have limits. Whether it's the limits of resources or skills or talents or time, the limits of our emotional, mental, or physical capacities, we all have limits. And this isn't a message we often preach in the church, right? Because we love to quote, you can do all things in Christ. But also, we have to understand that God has given us limits, not because we're weak, but because there are gifts found within our limits. So that's what we're going to talk about today. What are the limits that God has given me? And why are some of them actually gifts and not curses? Hear me, church, limits aren't a sign of our sin. They're simply a sign of our humanity. And a core mark of emotionally healthy discipleship is a deep theological and practical understanding of limits. In other words, limits are a deeply spiritual part of our humanity, not something that's meant to always be overcome, but some things that we learn to embrace. When we learn to live within our God-given limits, we're acknowledging that we are not God, that God is God and we are not, and we don't have to be. We don't have to be everything to everybody. We don't have to be the savior of the world. We don't have to be the best at everything that we do. You see, Jesus even embraced limits during his lifetime. We think Jesus, like the limitless one, unlimited. Jesus could do anything that he wants to, and he could, but he embraced limits throughout his life. A few things. He didn't heal every sick person. Jesus didn't cast out every demon. Jesus didn't build a megachurch. He totally could have planted himself in a city, started a gigantic church, a huge coffee ministry, amazing worship band, amazing set. He could have built a megachurch, but he didn't. He limited his discipleship program to 12 people, not more, not less. 
He often withdrew to recharge mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually to go pray and be with the Father. And Jesus didn't go in person to every part of the world. There was a limited geographical space where he conducted his ministry. Jesus lived within his limits. Another person, John the Baptist, is another example of what it means to embrace God's gift of limits. If you remember during John's life, there was a point where massive crowds flocked to hear him preach and get baptized. But as soon as Jesus started his ministry, you know what happened to all his followers? A majority of his followers actually abandoned John and switched over to follow Jesus. And they began leaving him to follow Jesus, the son of God. And some of John's followers were upset at this. And they were like, John, like, don't you see what's happening? There's something wrong here. But you know what John says? In John 3, 27 to 30, he says, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. I am not the Messiah. He must become greater. I must become less. What's John doing? He's embracing his limits. He's saying, I am not the Savior. And so it's okay if you leave. He could have had every right to be offended and say, no, I'm the most. No, he understood who he was and who he was not. He learned to embrace his limits. Hear me, church. Limits remind us of who we are and who we are not. And when we're unwilling to embrace our limits, we end up going down paths that God never intended for us to go down. We end up spending years of our lives living out someone else's script for us instead of learning to become and embrace who God's created us to be. I was um, co-leading worship in a majority black slash Asian church for many years. And my co-leader, her name was Chinway. She's just phenomenal gospel artist, singer, worship leader. She's actually on the Maverick City Choir. You remember she came through a few years ago. But I remember as I was learning to worship lead in that environment, I felt this pressure to like start leading gospel songs. And if you know, if you grew up in an Asian church, like the only rhythm we know is one, two, one, one, two. But if you're gospel, it's like, boom. right? There's so, I couldn't even do it, right? And I remember there was a season where I tried with all my heart to just like lead gospel music. I, Kevin, you might've been in a few sets where I did that. And it was horrible. Like when you try to do gospel music in an Asian one, two, one, one, two setting, it sounds so bad. And I realized for so many years, I was trying to be someone that I was not. And I noticed that the anointing of my worship flowed when I learned to embrace my limits, but also live out of my gifts to know who I was and who I was not. That doesn't mean we don't challenge ourselves, but there comes a point where we say we come to maturity and we realize these are the limits that God has given me. Not all of them are meant to be broken. Rabbi Zusia, who is a famous rabbi, he was an old man, and he once said, in the coming world, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? They will ask me, why were you not Zusa? And when I stand face to face with God at the end of my life, after living however long I've lived, doing everything that I have, the question God isn't going to ask me isn't, why weren't you more like David or Paul or Iris or Vanessa? He's going to ask me, why weren't you more like Mickey, the Mickey I created you to be? I don't need you to be like Stephen Furtick. I don't need you to be like this pastor or that pastor. I need you to be you. Danish theologian Kierkegaard, he said, the true vocation for every human being is the will to be oneself. 
learning who God's uniquely created me to be, learning to live within my limits. See, embracing our limits helps us live truly and freely as ourselves. Without limits, we live confused about where we end and where somewhere else begins, someone else begins. I think a lot of us, we live unsure of where we end and where someone else begins. Henry Nguyen, he says, no two lives are the same. We often can compare our lives with those of others, trying to decide whether we are better or worse off, but such comparisons do not help us much. We have to live our life, not someone else's. We have to hold our own cup. We have to dare to say, this is my life, the life that is given to me, and it is this life that I have to live as well as I can. My life is unique. Nobody else will ever live it. I have my own history, my my own family, my own body, my own character, my own friends, my own way of thinking, speaking, and acting. Yes, I have my own life to live. No one else has the same challenge. I am alone because I am unique. Many people can help me live my life, but after all is said and done, I have to make my own choices about how to live. That's so powerful. I think many times we're tempted to live someone else's idea of how our lives should be lived out. Or we're tempted to live someone else's life. Maybe you feel this at your workplace. You see someone that's further along in their career and you feel this pressure that I need to be there and I'm behind. How many of you felt behind in the last few years? I mean, I think it's a trademark characteristic of your 20s and your 30s, feeling like you're behind, feeling like everyone else is ahead. But there's something powerful about realizing that my experience is unique. There's never going to be anyone like me, and there never has been and never will be. And so my life is unique. When we don't respect God's limits in our lives, we're going to find ourselves overextended, stressed, and exhausted. Yes, we have gifts, and yes, we have potential, but we also have limits and we love to talk about potential and gifts, but we never talk about limits. We don't like to talk about that in the church. It's not Christian to do that. But until we recognize, acknowledge and embrace our limits, we'll never fully live the lives that God intended us to live. This might be a hot take, but I really firmly believe this to be true. Potential is overrated. We spend our entire lives bending over backwards, trying to reach our full potential. Have you ever felt the anxiety that at the end of my life, I have to have lived out my full potential? But you know, that's actually not gospel. Did Jesus ever reach his full potential? Right? One could argue Jesus barely scratched the surface of reaching his full potential. He could have done a lot more with his life. He had the potential to build the biggest, most influential, powerful church in all of the world, but he didn't. He had the potential to heal every sick person that he came across, but he didn't. He had the potential to solve world hunger. He had the potential to live forever, never dying, passing on wisdom to generations and generations, but he never did. Yet at the end of his life, do you know what he said? He says, I have finished the work you gave me to do. Hear me, church, our calling is not to fulfill our potential. Our calling is to be faithful. 
Living a full life is not about fulfilling your potential. And I know we love to say that in our day and age, but it's about living faithful to the calling that God has for you, knowing who you are and knowing who you are not, knowing what God has called you to do and what he has not called you to do. And part of that faithfulness is learning to embrace our limits. If you've ever lived with the tension and anxiety that I got to fulfill my potential, you can let that go. It doesn't mean we don't try our best. It doesn't mean we reach in faith, but there comes a point in the journey where you start realizing and start noticing this is who God's created me to be. And this is who he has not created me to be. This is what he's called me to do and what he's not called me to do. The problem is we often despise and resent our limits. We expect far too much from ourselves And we live frustrated, disappointed, and angry our entire lives. I think social media is beautiful, but I think one of the detriments is this very idea that we've come to resent our limits. Why? We see everyone on Facebook that's doing these amazing things, traveling to beautiful, exotic locations, starting a company, doing this, starting a product, and we feel so aware of our limits at that point. And we feel so behind and we feel so bad and disappointed. Like, I'm not, I'm not fulfilling my potential. I'm 30. I'm not married. I'm 35. I haven't reached where I want to in my company. I'm 35 and our church is 20. And there's this temptation to feel like we're not living out our potential. But that's never been what God's called us to. Faithfulness is fulfillment. Can I tell you guys... Um, I, I love the size of our church and I don't one bit feel disappointed or behind. You know why? Because I feel maybe for the first time in my life, I'm being truly faithful. And so I don't despise this. I embrace it and I love it. This is the limit that God has given me for this season. And maybe it becomes 200. I don't know. Maybe it goes down to five next summer when everyone moves to New York. Who knows? But I'm living faithful. And I'm living fulfilled. There's something powerful about living in this way. We, we live in peace. When we don't, we burn out. You know, what is burnout? It's when we give what we don't actually possess. And so many of us are giving way more, believing for way more than God has actually given us the capacity for. It's a result of living beyond our limits. I used to feel so um, disappointed in myself when I first started preaching because my, my pastor is one of the best, my old pastor is one of the best preachers that I've ever known. Um, he's just so good. Every time he gets up on stage, like there's just this anointing that flows through his words. And for the longest time, I felt like that's what I needed to be. And so I literally, I would sometimes study his mannerisms and like try it on stage. And even like, I, I tell you, preaching journey is hilarious because there's so many things you try to imitate that don't really matter, right? And there's so many things I felt like I needed to be. But it's only recently where I started to say, I don't need to be like that. I don't need to be like that preacher or that preacher. I don't need to sound like John Mark Comer or Tim Keller. I don't need to sound like these people. What I need to do is tap into who God's created me to be. See, when we try to bypass or deny our limits, we end up bypassing and missing God as well. My old pastor, he never preached with notes, and I tried that for a year, and my sermon sucked. And I realized there's a limit that I have. Maybe I need notes. Maybe that's my limit. Maybe I can't just go off the cuff without any notes. Maybe I can grow a little more in that direction, but 
learning to embrace our limits gives you so much peace. You don't burn out. What if we learn to see our limits not as obstacles that hinder us, but as God's good and perfect gifts for our lives? In other words, what if God is actually in our limits? What if he's in the very limits that we resent and try to break through? Hear me, church, limits are often God's gifts in disguise. They help us recognize and accept who we are and who we are not, what are we called to do and what we're not called to do. You hear Zion crying. One of the limits of this season is having a baby, right? I can't pastor the same way. I, I don't have unlimited time. Me and Krista had this conversation. We're like, before we had Zion, what did we do with all our time? Because before we had him, we felt like we didn't have any time in the world for anything else. We felt like we were maximizing our time, and we still felt like we didn't have enough time. And then when we had Zion, we're like, oh my God, what was our time about? Before I got married, before I had a baby, that's not to minimize your busy schedules, but it's just... We, we don't realize that there are limits and they're often God's gift in disguise. Limits, they protect us so we don't hurt ourselves or overextend ourselves. They keep us grounded and humble, reminding us that we're not in charge of running the world. They break our self-will. Limits, they're a means to, uh, for God to give us direction if we're going to listen. And limits are one of the primary ways we grow in wisdom. In other words, limits are places where we encounter God in ways where we could not otherwise in any other scenario. You know who wrestled with his limits a lot? David. David, he wrestled with this core spiritual issue we all need to face when when confronted with our God-given limits. And this is the question that he was struggling with his entire life. Can I trust that God is good and really has a grip on all things? Can I trust that even in my limitations, he can do everything he needs to in and around and through me? Why do I say David struggled with that? Because David, throughout his entire life, had the temptation. Should I take the kingship from Saul? Should I just take all of these followers that are actually telling me, go take your rightful place? Should I do it? But he, he embraced the limits for the seasons in his lives. He didn't move ahead of God. And the question, can I trust God? I think he lived that out. Oftentimes what God does in and through our limits is more than we can accomplish on our own. See, in the economy of heaven, one of my mentors told me, in the economy of heaven, God often does more with less. He often does more with less. What are some biblical examples? It was within the limit of five loaves and two fish where God fed 5,000. It was within the limits of a 300-person army that Gideon prevailed against 135,000 Midianites. It was within the limit of Moses' slowness of speech and age that he led 3 million people out of slavery into the promised land. It was within Jeremiah's, I love this, melancholy temperament. Basically, he was emo maybe type four, that God gave him insights about God's grief and heart of love for his people. It was within Hosea's painful marriage that he was given one of the greatest revelations of God's love for his people. If you remember Hosea, his wife was prostituting herself to every other guy. Can you imagine being in that marriage? But it was within those limits where God actually revealed a a, a side of his love that we never could have gotten otherwise. If any of these biblical heroes had rebelled against God's limits for their lives, they would have missed what God wanted to do in and through them. 
I tell this all the time, but when I was really pursuing music, like, you know, my Christian hip-hop career with all the Asian youth kids, when I was really pursuing that, I kept hitting wall after wall. And it wasn't until I embraced my limits that I can't be every style of hip-hop to everyone. I know what my lane is. At the time, it was like conscious backpack hip-hop, right? Like the meaningful, deep lyrics. And I remember when I embraced that, when I learned that I can't be like everyone else, God actually started to do more. He started to open more doors than when I tried with all of my efforts and my heart. And so one of the great indicators that we're on a path towards spiritual maturity is when we learn to live joyfully within our God-given limits. The question is, in order to discern God's will around our limits, what do we have to do? And I believe there's three questions that we need to ask. And so these are your applications for this week. The first question is this. What limits are God calling me to embrace? What are the limits that God is calling me to embrace? And there are five sub-questions around this. What kind of limits? The first, what are the limits of my personality and temperament? Am I an extrovert or an introvert? Do I thrive off of spontaneity or planning? Am I more easygoing and relaxed or more focused and driven? And tools like the Myers-Briggs and the temperament and the Enneagram, they help us discover not only the strengths of our personalities, but the limits of our personalities as well. I've learned very early on, I'm not a details guy. I'm a big picture guy. And every time that I've been placed in a pastoral role where details are necessary, I have completely wrecked that ministry. Time and time again, one of the reasons why I think God put me and Krista together is for that very reason. I just can't see the details like some other people can. I just, I'm not gifted in that way. And one of, the, one of the biggest freeing moments in my ministry is learning I don't have to be the best details guy. doesn't mean I don't try, but I learn to find people around me that are actually gifted in that strength, learning to live within my limits. And so what are the limits of my personality and my temperament? Some of you, you shouldn't be around people all day. It's literally killing you. Some of you, you need to get around more people. You need to go into your office this week, unless you get COVID like uh, some other people have. But you have to actually go in and be around people to thrive, understanding the limits of your personality and your temperament. The second question, what are the limits of my current season of life? Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2, Book of Wisdom. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There are seasons where the demands of work are greater and seasons when we have more time on our hands. There are seasons where we need to be at home to take care of kids or because of our parents' health. And there are seasons where we're called to be out more. There are seasons where we experience physical or emotional challenges or external crisis. Seasons where we have to slow down. Seasons where we have to speed up. There are seasons of financial prosperity and times of struggle. There are seasons for study and schooling. Seasons of execution. Seasons to step back from responsibilities to grieve a loss. There are seasons for everything. And one of the signs of learning our limits is learning what season I'm in right now. Each decade of our lives thrusts us into a different season. Our teen years versus our 20s versus our 30s versus our 40s, 50s, 60s, all of them present different types of limits. My limit when I was a teen is that I can't just go out and do whatever I want. I have to be back at a certain time. Before I have my driver's license, I can only get so far, right? I can only take the bus so far. 
one of the limits in my 20s is I can't, I can't be everything I need to be. I don't have enough resources or education or expertise. I have to take time to learn. There are limits in every season of life. The limit that I'm experiencing right now is pastoring as a parent. I so want to be more present in the lives of our people, but I'm learning the limit of this season is I got to be with my family. I got to be with Zion in these formative years. I, I can't, I only have so much of myself left to give. What is the season of life you're in and what are the limits that this season presents? Man, in your early 20s, you feel like there are no limits to your season, but you real, there are actually plenty of limits in your 20s. But there's, there are limits in every season of our lives. We have to learn to identify them. Number three, what are the limits of my marriage or singleness? There are things you can do as a single person that you cannot do as a married person. And there are things you can do as a married person that you cannot do as a single person. I miss the days when I had complete financial freedom, right? When I was single, I could buy whatever I want. I don't need permission from nobody. But now Chris and I, because we have a mutual loving covenant relationship, we check in with each other for big purchases. Maybe not small things like snacks and stuff. I know some couples do, but we don't. But for the bigger things like, oh my God, I want to buy those sneakers. They're like 200 bucks. Okay, we got to talk about it. We can't just do what we want. There are limits even within the confines of marriage and the limits within singleness as well. Number four, what are the limits of my emotional, physical, and intellectual capacities? We all have different emotional capacities. Some people can take meeting after meeting back to back consecutively throughout the entire day. Others need some time alone to gather themselves, to read, pray, unwind, or think, or meditate. I remember um, at my previous church, there came a time, our space was really small, actually close to this size, where we had to have three services. And it was crazy. My pastor loved preaching three services. When I tried it, I died. Like I, I was barely standing at the end of the day up till service two was fine. Service three was a killer. And I realized that's just my emotional capacity. I can't handle preaching that many times. One thing I learned this year is I can't preach every Sunday for the entire year. And one thing that I'm proud of is learning the limits of even my preaching capacity. And so what I've done is I actually preach less this year than I ever have. But it actually helps me preach better. Because when I don't have that rest, I realize that I get burnt out and I don't have much to give. Learning the limits of your emotional capacities. We all have different intellectual capacities. Maybe this is kind of a hot take for our time and day. But have you ever met someone who you just knew in your mind? is like smarter than you. They're just undeniably smarter than you. And it's not like a self-deprecating thing or like, it's just, no, you have a gift of intelligence that maybe I don't quite have and it's okay. Not all of us have the same intellectual capacities. We all have different physical capacities. I've learned this very quickly when I ran with Jerry. Jerry has different physical capacities when we're running than I do Not all of us can make it to the NBA. Some of us should never step foot in the UFC octagon. Some of us can't be pilots because of our eyesight. Some are able-bodied. Some are disabled. Some are affected by sickness. We all have different physical capacities. And when we age physically, you're going to realize this when you hit mid-30s, is that your bodies can't do what they used to. I tried to skateboard. Jacob, he, he led me into a demonic season of trying to skateboard again in my 30s. And I learned really quickly, my body cannot keep up with my soul in this season. Okay? 
Maybe you felt this. Remember in college, you could do all-nighters, right? You try to do it today, you will die. Why? Because our physical capabilities also change. And usually emotions and like anger, depression, fear, anxiety, usually our body's shutting down or, or our, our body's actually getting sick. They're like check engine lights for our lives when we are going over capacity. And one of the signs of maturity is learning the limits of my emotional, my intellectual, and my physical capacities. The last one, what are the limits of my family of origin? We talked a little about, about this a few weeks ago. There are limits that we've actually inherited from our family of origin. We've also inherited strengths and beauty, but there's also limits. Maybe it's socioeconomic. Maybe it's trauma or abuse that's affected us. Maybe it's cultural barriers. But here's the thing. These limits, too, are actually gifts in disguise once we learn to embrace them. Growing up in an immigrant family had a unique set of challenges, as most of you may know. But it also gave me many gifts, the gifts of my culture and my history, the ability to have compassion for the outsider, to understand an aspect of God's heart that maybe someone growing up in a white household does not understand. There are gifts within the limits of our family of origin. So the first question, what limits are God calling me to embrace? But the second question is this, what limits are God calling me to break through? There are some limits that God does not call us to accept. And the question we have to ask is, what are the limits given by God for me to embrace versus what are the limits that are a result of my immaturity? Right? I talked about um, not being administratively gifted, but I also realized a few years ago, I actually have to grow a little more in this area. And accepting my limitations in this area is no longer me embracing God's gift for me. It's actually a sign of my immaturity. There was a person um, in one of my ministries many years ago, my worship ministry, who was always late. And one day I was like, okay, you just need to come on time. We got to respect everyone's time. They straight up looked at me and said, that's just how God made me. I was like, be pleased. Like, are you kidding me? That's not a God-given limit. That's a sign of immaturity. You know, one, one thing that I hate, how not to use the Enneagram is to just tell people, that's just how it is. That's just how I am. I'm a type seven. I don't like to sit in sadness or embrace loss. I'm a type two. I don't like to take care of myself. I'm a type four. I just like to be moody and and poetic and deep and, right? That's not how you use an Enneagram. It's not, it's, it's learning to take responsibility for our limits and our weaknesses, embracing God's limits, but also knowing where we need to grow up. Right? Sarah broke the limits of her age and her infertility, and she gave birth to a son in her 90s. Elijah was a prophet who was prone to depression, yet he was used mightily by God. The 12 disciples were not highly educated, naturally gifted, or well-networked, yet they had no prior leadership experience that would have prepared them for leading the most important movement of the world, but they had to grow up. They had to learn how to lead the church. Timothy, who was fearful and shy, he learned how to lead a large yet influential, difficult church in Ephesus. Mary was a teenager from a poor family, yet was chosen by God to give birth to the Savior of the world. What are the limits that God is calling you to break through? The limits that God's saying, no, I'm not calling you to embrace those limits for your life. That's actually just a sign that you need to grow, that you need to mature. 
And the last question is, what boundaries do, we, do I need to set to live within my limits? In other words, in order to live within my limits and to know what limits I have to break through, what are the boundaries that I have to set in my life? What are boundaries? Boundaries are an expression of the fact that I am a separate person apart from others. One of the biggest parts of our 20s and 30s is learning differentiation. And you really learn it when you get married because you realize my parents' view for my life and their dream for my life is different from who I'm actually created to be, right? My coworkers and my friends, their opinion of me, I'm actually, I don't have to live by other people's expectations of who God's created me to be. I have learned to differentiate myself. See, without proper boundaries, the line between where I end and where others begin gets blurry. Without boundaries, we forget who we are and what we're not responsible for. The thing about people with poor boundaries, they feel compelled to do what others want them to do, even though it's not what they feel called to do. They live in fear of disappointing others or being criticized. Henry Cloud, who writes a lot about, he has a fantastic book on boundaries. He says this, boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. Knowing what I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. Taking responsibility for my life opens up many different options. Boundaries helps us keep the good and the bad, good in and the bad out. Setting boundaries inevitably involves taking responsibility for your choices. You are the one who makes them. You are the one who must live with their consequences. And you are the one who may be keeping yourself from making the choices you could be happy with. We must own our own thoughts and clarify distorted thinking. Setting healthy boundaries means acknowledging that the world's needs are often greater than my personal supply. In other words, what people around me need is often more than what I can actually give. Have you ever experienced this in your relationship? That people sometimes have expectations of you, of what they need from you or want from you, but you just don't have that much to give. And you realize very quickly that the world's supply is greater than my personal supply, and that's okay. See, life then becomes about discerning how best to use that all that God has given me instead of trying to be everything for everybody. So there are two types of boundaries I feel like God is calling us and challenging us to set. Number one, boundaries around people. It's a hard one for Christians to get. But there are those who take up way too much space at the expense of others. Hopefully you're not that person who don't allow others to express themselves, who damage the community by approaching situations and people in unhealthy ways. And sometimes love requires setting a boundary around the people that we love the most. Not because we hate them, but because it actually stifles our ability to love them and pour into them. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do for people is to set up healthy boundaries around them. Many of us have learned that with our parents, with our families, even with our friends, that actually my ability to love some people increases when I've learned what a healthy boundary is around them. This can include your parents, your friends, coworkers, maybe even bosses. This also means giving people the freedom to set up their own boundaries and not become offended. Giving people the freedom to say no. Can I, one of my, I get so proud of church members when I approach them and ask them if they could do something and they say no. Do you know why? 
it shows me that there is a level of maturity for them to know this is what I can give and this is what I can't. Sometimes that no actually doesn't come from a healthy place, but I think most of the times I get so proud of our church members because when they say no, I, I know they mean no. Like, I know they're setting a healthy boundary. And I've been in churches and ministries where you could not say no to the leaders and the pastors. And people end up burning out, giving way more than they can. I love a culture where no is perfectly good and okay. So, church, if I ever ask you something, um, you can say no. But don't say no just because, only if you really mean it. Right? Boundaries around people. Number two, boundaries around time. We only have 24 hours to live each day, no more, no less. Learning to live within the limits of our time means setting firm boundaries around our schedule. And this means discerning what to say yes to and what to say no to. When you say yes to something, how many of you know you're saying no to thousands of other things that our yes has a profound impact on our lives? And I don't know about you, but there's nothing more liberating when we can come to a place of peace and say, I can't. I can't do it. I can't take on that extra project. I can't meet up tonight. I can't sit here and listen at this moment. When we learn what we need to say no to, it makes our yes that much more meaningful and impactful. And some of us just need to learn how to say I can't or say no. And so this includes asking God to show us how to be faithful within the limits of our daily schedule. Maybe this means learning to listen to your body when it needs a nap knowing that it's actually going to help you for the rest of the day. Maybe this means learning to accept interruptions in your schedule, knowing that they're actually God-given moments. Maybe this means practicing the Sabbath each and every week. I've been preaching on it for years, but I know y'all ain't doing it. It means practicing setting aside a day just for rest and delight, a day where I'm just enough, right? Boundaries around people and boundaries around time. I want to end just with one of the most famous parables of Jesus, the parable of talents. Remember, Jesus tells a story where a master gave one servant one talent, another servant two talents, and another servant five talents. And the person with five talents actually multiplied it, and so he got ten talents. The person with two talents multiplied it, got more. But the person with one talent buried their talent and just came back with the one, and he got rebuked. And this is a beautiful story of stewardship, Why? Because God wasn't rebuking him because he had less talents than everyone else. He was rebuking him because he didn't steward the talent he was given well. Some of us, I'm just going to say it, have one talent. Some of us have two. Some of us have five. Someone like someone who has a lot of resources, let's just say someone like Elon Musk has five talents. He has resources. he He has intellectual capabilities. He has things that I don't have. Some of us, we have less, and that's okay. Part of maturity is just learning. Some people just have more talents than I do. And I'm not talking about physical talents. I'm talking about things that God has called them to steward, right? And that's okay. What God doesn't look at at the end of your life is how many talents you've raised or how many talents you've multiplied. He looks at how you've been faithful with with what he's given you. So my friend who pastors a church of 8,000 versus me, pastoring a church of however many we have, at the end of my life, God's not going to look at me and said, oh, this guy, he pastored 8,000, get a mansion in heaven. You get a shack, maybe a doghouse. I don't know. No, he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? How were you faithful to steward that which I gave you? This is what limits is about. It's learning 
It's taking inventory for what we have and learning to be faithful with that. Not trying to take on more, but just assessing what God has given me to be faithful over. Some of us are trying to be faithful over things that God hasn't given us, and it's killing us. Learning, God, what are the limits you've given me, and how do I live faithfully within them? So why don't we respond right now? Why don't we pray? And there's, I want us to reflect on these three questions. The first question, what limits are God calling me to embrace? What are the limits that God is calling me to accept? Not only to accept, but to make peace with. Not only to make peace with, but what, is, what limits are God calling me to actually look upon as gifts and not curses? As strengths and not weaknesses for me? Maybe it's the limits of my personality. Maybe I've been trying to be like my coworker who is like type A, get things. Maybe, God, maybe, maybe even accepting the limits of who I am as a follower of Jesus. Maybe I've been looking at that person who prays three hours a day and does all these things. What are the limits of my personality and who God's created me to be? What are the limits God is calling me to embrace? What are the limits of my season? I feel like for some of us, God is challenging us to not look at other people who are in different seasons and envy them, but learn to embrace and love and live joyfully within what he's given me. Second question, what are the limits that God is calling me to break through? What are the limits that aren't a result as a gift from God, but are actually a sign of immaturity? Where do I need to grow up? And last question, what are the boundaries I need to set to make this a reality, to learn to live within my limits? God, I thank you, Lord, that you have given us limits not to hinder us, not to set us back, not to diminish us, but you've given us limits actually to prosper us. You've given us limits to focus us, to ground us. You've given us limits as gifts. And I pray we would learn what limits are gifts and what limits are things we need to break through. Give us discernment and wisdom about the limits that we experience in our lives. I thank you. I don't need to be like that person. I don't need to be like my friend. I don't need to be like my coworker. I don't need to be like that pastor, that influencer. I don't need to be like that other person. I just need to be faithful to be myself. So this morning, we say we trust you, God. Even with our limits, you do more with less. You do so much more even within our limits than we could ever do on our own. So give us the wisdom to discern what that is. We love you, God.